What's up, everyone? I'm Stu Douglas. This is the inaugural episode of the Go Blue with Stu podcast. I'm very excited to get going. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Uh, if you want to tell me I suck, that's totally fine. Just know that my mother, Nancy Douglas, will be on your butt if you do that. But I'm really excited to get going. We have a fantastic first guest, John Beeline, my coach. Very excited for that. Uh, but to kick things off, just to help us kick things off, we got the man himself, Jeff Goodman. How's it going, Jeff? Man, it's good. It's good. You know, like I, I remember when we first met, you were uh, 17 years old. You looked like you were about 14. And uh, <laughs> you were a knucklehead then, and you're still a knucklehead. That's that. Listen, that's why we brought you on to the Field of 68 Network, right? Your, your personality. Um, it, it's good to see you, though. I'm glad you're doing this. Uh, we're excited. I know Rob Dawson and I were excited to bring you on board. Uh, to do this Michigan pod. And uh, yeah, I love the fact that you got John Beeline coming up here. So um, first of all, what what have you been doing? I'm going to kind of help you with this initial segment here leading yeah. up to Beeline. But yeah. what have you been doing since you graduated? You did graduate, right? You did get your degree. I did graduate. I did graduate. Sure? I, did. I definitely had those dreams where I would wake up and I was like 25 years old. I wake up and I'm thinking I like missed a paper and didn't graduate or something. I we all have those. We yeah. all have them. But I definitely graduated. Uh, you know, I, then I went, I've been playing overseas ever since. Right now I'm home in Indianapolis. Um, just kind of waiting around for many different reasons. I think I'm going to go back here pretty soon, back to Israel. But played in Spain one year and then Israel ever since then. It's been uh, quite the journey, to say the least. What, what is life like? And I'm sure you'll get into this with, with everybody over the next few months. Sure. Uh, but what is life like playing in Israel? I was bar mitzvahed in Israel when I was 13 years old, believe it or not. Really? I was. I was. Where, where? Where? Uh, at the wall. At the wall. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Big time. Yeah. That's that's a big time I missed right there. And I want to go back so bad, uh, but you know, you worry about uh, safety. That's mm -hmm. a big reason why we probably haven't gone back to Israel over the last. You know, my daughter's seventeen. We wanted to bring her over the last five or six years, and we never know. You know, the safety part of it. Uh, what's it like over there? Man, I was checking the weather. And I have some of my Israeli cities like up in the main yeah. screen. And it was like Tel Aviv, 70 degrees. And I was like, oh. God, dude, I miss the Tel Aviv winters. The Israeli winters are fantastic. But life is, is easy there, honestly. The basketball is pretty laid back, uh, still competitive. They got good teams. Uh, they love basketball. You know, it's still behind soccer. Yeah. It's very Americanized, very Westernized type of country. Guys love it. A lot of English there. Uh, you see a lot of great American players you know, even maybe playing for even a little bit of less money because of the atmosphere and, and guys just wanting to return to that. Because, you know, you play overseas in a lot of these countries and these guys, you're bouncing around and it's not very comfortable. And then you find a spot like Israel. And I mean, they gravitated. I've seen it since I've been starting. Like guys like, man, I want to come back. Really? Always turning. Yeah, they, they absolutely love it, especially, you know, it's hard to beat the competition of EuroLeague sometimes and some of those other leagues and some of those other leagues pay a lot more money. But yeah, guys really love it. So the crowd's pretty good over there at all the, the, the places you've ended up playing, all the teams? They're pretty solid. It's an interesting country. You know, it's like, you know how it is. It's a small country. It's like the size of New Jersey. And they got their main team, Maccabi Tel Aviv. And, you know, I always compare it to, like, if you had, uh, you know, IU basketball fans in Indiana and, like, there was no Purdue or Notre Dame. And then you had, like, all the other small schools. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like fans of those teams, but really like Indiana is a big team in Indiana. So there would be fans of that. So it's, it's hard. You're like everybody in Israel is a Maccabi Tel Aviv fan. So even when you play home games against them, they'll have more fans there than, than your team yeah. sometimes. But 
Uh, it's, it does create a fun atmosphere, though. What What's the craziest story? Oh man, that you've had since you've been playing in Israel. What that you can tell us now? I know there's Robbie Hummel and I do a podcast, and he was overseas for a few years, and some of the stories he tells are just insane. It's crazy. Some there's a lot, but I'll keep this one short because I've written about it. I probably wrote like two thousand words on it, but. Right. We were playing in Montenegro in this international in the Balkan League. And long story short, it is freezing. You can see your breath in this gym. There's no heating or air conditioning in this gym. Everyone's wearing coats. All of a sudden, we're in the middle of this game. You can't feel your fingers in the middle of this game. I'm like making shots, Jeff, and I don't know how I'm making them. I can't feel the ball coming off my hand. But in the middle of this game, some guy collapses in the stands, and there's like a like a hushed murmur going over the crowd and all of a sudden we realize they're not watching the game. So like we realized they're all focused their attention up in the upper deck and we keep playing this game. We're like, they need medical attention. Um, you know, with the refs need to stop it. All of a sudden they start booing loud, really loud. They have not stopped it. They finally stop it a little bit. The um, EMTs come across the court. They go up to the stands the refs want to restart the game. We're restarting the game as the EMTs are like going up the crowd and there's no stairs. So they're just like going through people up the seats. So then the, the, the fans are like, what the hell is going on? You guys need to really stop this game and make sure this guy is okay. They start throwing pens, really booing. And so we stopped the game for like a little bit longer until that guy cleared and got out uh, in an ambulance. But in the middle of it, they were so upset. The fans were so upset. They started chanting something and we couldn't, I couldn't quite understand what they were saying. And I wasn't truly paying attention. Um, but we are an Israeli team with Jewish guys on it. And my Serbian teammate was like, he looked at me, he's like, do you know what they're saying? And I was like, no, I have no idea. He's like, they're chanting Auschwitz at us. Oh, like, no. oh, okay. We need to end this game. Now oh, oh my and, God. And get home immediately. Like, I don't care if we win or lose. I just want to go. And that, that game actually went to overtime. And I was like, oh, this is not great. <laughs> Oh my wow. God. Yeah, that will uh, that will open your eyes a little bit if they start chanting Auschwitz. That, that, it's time to go. It's, it's time, time to, to go. Pack it up and leave. Yep. All right. On to something a little bit lighter. Yeah. Uh, Michigan basketball. Um, your your quick clip note version views before we get to your, your conversation with John Beeline, which I can't wait to hear. Yeah. Uh, Michigan is 5-0 and under Juwan Howard, his second year. Um Lost a couple of key players, obviously, in Xavier Simpson and, and John Teske. But listen, they filled them in with veterans. What What do you think of this team so far? They haven't exactly played uh, the powerhouses yet. I right. mean, you know, UCF's probably the best team they've, they've played and beaten so far. But what are your views so far? I like this team. I like watching this team. I think they play together. Uh, there will definitely be more growing pains as they get into the Big Ten schedule, just naturally and from, you know, kind of the standpoint of Corona. I mean, you see all these teams losing early when they're, they're heavy favorites. So it's just going to happen as long as they're playing their best basketball when it counts at the end, which I think they, they have that possibility. I mean, Austin Davis went down. We'll see. It did not look great. We'll see how that affects them, but I really like the makeup of this team and Juwan as a coach. I, I love to see him and Isaiah yelling at each other. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you, yeah, it was blown up, but but actually didn't get as much attention as I think I thought it might after that nationally. It was kind of a quick blip, and, and yeah, not it a got lot. some in the in the Michigan realm. Like I could, you know, I follow the Michigan Twitter and see all the fans are saying. So it, yeah. it got some play there, not quite as much nationally, but I love that stuff. I mean, and if they're cool with it after the game, like if you can leave it all on the court and be that into it, 
I think it's fantastic. And it bonds you. Like you've yelled, you, everybody has a sibling they've yelled at, even though maybe their parents and like you go through those things and it's, it's a bonding experience as well. Yeah. And he, he's a veteran, obviously. Yeah. And, and Juwan's that guy. I was just surprised in a sense, because I had always heard how mellow Juwan Howard was. Yeah. So that that's what surprised me a little bit. I just didn't know if I saw that coming, but again, mellow, but he's played for so long at the highest, highest levels um, that I'm sure he was frustrated. And Isaiah was frustrated and they yeah. went at it and, and, and life goes on. And uh, I, I agree. I think this team certainly got the makings. I don't have them in the top 25 yet. I've got yeah. them just outside and a lot of fans are on me for that. Um, I love Hunter Dickinson though, man. I love, I, in AU ball, I loved Hunter Dickinson. He just plays hard. He knows what he is. He's His cerebral. He's are tough. So good. I mean, he's working. I know he's working against smaller guys, but just right. seeing the footwork, seeing the touch from about seven, eight, ten feet, the ability to see the court, be in the right spaces. Yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed. And he runs hard. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the other thing. He's not the most athletic dude, but he he gets after it. He runs the court hard. He can still beat. Uh, opposing bigs up and down the court because of his effort. And that's half the battle, right? If you're not a, a gazelle, you better go hard. And and, and that's what Hunter Dickinson does. Uh, all right. Well, listen, uh, I just wanted to, again, kind of uh, get on here and, and, and welcome you to the Field of 68 Network. So uh, everybody listening, uh, watching, make sure you subscribe to Stu's uh, pod. And uh, Stu, you got to intro John Beeline. I mean, this is this is big for you. Your former coach. Your first guest. I, I can't wait for this. Yeah, no, I'm very excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have great stories. I can talk and talk and talk with John. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I want to get into a little bit about what you're doing now. And we talked earlier this week about you teaching the leadership class. And yeah. if you could go into more detail on like how that came about and if you're enjoying it and stuff. Yeah, Stu, I'm having so much fun with this class. It's, uh, you know, I started out as a seventh grade social studies teacher. So, that's I really love I, I really love that part of it. And so now to have this leadership class to, to be teaching to really uh, high level engaging students who are really interested in it, um, it's, it's motivating every day. And uh, I've learned a lot as well, as well. When you teach something, you know, Stu, you probably worked at our camps. And when you teach shooting to somebody, you probably learn something about shooting. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a, a bunch about leadership that, uh, has really been beneficial for me to teach it again, or if I'm in a leadership position again, which I'm sure I will be in some form, right? Good way to either give advice or learn a lot from it. So I've enjoyed that. Um, I like working with the uh, Big Ten Network. Um, I'm starting to do some little clips with them. Might do some color, but it's going to be more studio work. I like doing that. And I, I you know, what I, what I really enjoy, I have several assistant coaches or former players who are division one head coaches and I have lots that are division assistant coaches and they'll call me and just want to talk about some stuff. I, I really like that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you've always been to me a teacher at heart, like from the first day I got there, it was all about teaching. It was all about attention to detail. Uh, you know, I could always tell. So I was wondering like what, what you were going to do after coaching. And I'm not sure if you're still interested in coaching. Um, but I mean, for you, you just always been a constant teacher. I feel like in everything you do. So I feel like this is a perfect fit for you. Yeah, I really, I, I like it in, in a perfect world. I think that if I, if they'll have me, you know, you, you can do this for a long time. You can coach 
Well, you can, you can coach for a certain amount of time. You probably can teach even longer, but I like staying engaged. I like staying up with things. And, you know, I really enjoy Stu is I also have a speaker coming in like every week almost to, and, I, and we've had some high level speakers come in and I'm sitting there. So in, so engaged with learning how other people approach, as you know, they all say never be an assistant coach, which I, people, people actually drink to that. I think when they say that that's a chug spot in a, in a TV, when somebody say that again, that I've never been an assistant coach that uh, I don't know what a lot of other people do. So it's really interesting to hear other coaches talk or other leaders, athletic directors, presidents of universities talk yeah. about leadership. Uh, and it really resonates with me. Yeah. Does it, does it scratch that itch? I mean, I got to ask you if you. No, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I've sort of looked at this thing, Stu, and said, you know what, this is like faculty members take sabbaticals. This is a, this is a, this is really a chosen sabbatical for me. Sure. Where you know I resigned at, at Cleveland, I, I decided that it wasn't uh, it wasn't it wasn't the right for me at this time in my life. Yeah. And so uh, this is a year I'd take a year and let's just look at everything going on everywhere: college basketball, teaching, uh, media, uh, pros, and I can really uh, watch some things carefully here. And I enjoy that part too. I enjoy. You know what I enjoy also, Stu is uh, is. You're hearing my dog now squealing in the background. Uh -huh. uh, the uh, is is not having to set my alarm every morning. I sort of enjoy that sometimes. See, but, now you know how I felt in college. Uh, <laughs> I I like you know say okay. I know I got to get. It's amazing now when I set my alarm, uh, I don't sleep as well because I'm worried I'm going to oversleep it because I have something going in the morning. But I mean, I've been an alarm setter for a long, long time, and, uh, and it's been all over the place. So I enjoy that a little bit too. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can imagine. I asked Novak if he had any good stories that we could talk about for the pod. He was like, yeah, tell him about how you made me run, run the gauntlet because you were late to the first day of practice. And I was like, I'll, I'll keep that out a little bit. Oh, but. man. Yeah, I thought he. I thought you were going to have a fist fight. When, when, uh, did I make you watch? Did I make you watch? You made them run the first two, and then I ran the last one by myself. Yeah. Luckily, so that he got, they got out of it a little bit. Zach was not happy with his, uh, his roommate at that time. That, oh, no, no, no. He, he wanted got, to uh, I think we got the message. You don't really like to do that either. Yeah, I, I don't like doing those things. Uh, but I think we had come home from the Old Spice tournament. You were late for the shoot-around that day uh, against oh, yeah. Boston College. Yeah. Uh, who really put it on us, by the way. And um, uh, that you, it, was, it, was at, it was bad timing on your part. Oh, yeah, for sure. Josh, Josh actually said he came into my room, asked if I was awake, and I told him yes. And I was like, I don't remember anything. I, got, I <laughs> slept through five alarms. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was funny. Those things, those things they happen. You know what, what, what a player's got to remember, because there's sometimes that uh, someone will, will make a big mistake like that. But if they build up a trust bank with the coaches, it's yeah. really not a big deal. Yeah. But if, they, if this is – I think it's in, as a coach, I always caught, I always, you know, kept a log on if I saw any pattern like that, because uh, I think sometimes a, a young, especially young players don't really know how often they've done it. They don't see that. And so you keep a log and you yeah. had a very short log. You had, you, you had no, no issues. That might've been the first time. Not too bad. It was funny. Cause I was talking to my trainer and you shaped how I thought about this since college. And I was talking to my trainer the other day about how kids, 
need to work on minimizing mistakes. Like you can make such the, the smallest mistakes. And for you, it'd be like watching film and you're, you know, a foot away from being in the right position on help side. Yeah. Like I, I could tell you always bank those. You always log those little things here and there. Like, is the kid in the right position? And the less mistakes you make, the more you're going to get going to get on the court. Like there's so many talented kids now, like all these kids can do all these things with the yeah. ball. It's insane. But what are you doing in terms of minimizing mistakes and playing the right way? And Well, you know, you know, uh, from the great state of Indiana, one of the first quotes I learned when I was, uh, when I was began coaching going to class was from Bobby Knight, be in position to be in position. Yeah, and then when you're in position to be in position, you will, whether it's help side or whether it's making sure you you uh, have your alarm clock set at the right time and it's 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 set on high. And maybe yeah, I don't know if you're using phone or alarm clock. If you're always prepared to be in that position, you'll make less mistakes. Right. But if you're always just flying by the seat of your pants, saying I'm, a, I'm, I'm you know I can do this, I can do this, and you don't plan at all. Yeah. That's John Wooden. You know, failure to plan is planning to fail. Right. And so. You have to have a plan and being in that, being in position to be in position in life is just as important as it is on the basketball court. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I want to get into a little bit about the current team. They're five and zero. Oh, going to get into big 10 play here soon. Um, looking pretty good. I mean, have you been able to watch any of the games? And, and, yeah, I, I've watched the Stu, I've watched a couple. Mm. Uh, this, they, they have a great mix right now. I think, of two, the two uh, graduate seniors or, or two seniors uh, that are, have never won. And they're so hungry to win. Yeah. They just want, they just want to prove something. And then you have some good, really good. And then you have Isaiah livers, right. And Eli Brooks who have played in a in a national championship game. You have Franz who has played all over the world in the high yep. leverage situation. And now you bring in this a couple of really talented freshmen. Uh, and right now the guys with most opportunity to play because of depth is Hunter Dickinson. And he's been as, you know, he's like a Luke Garza was, he may be better than Luke Garza was when he was a freshman. Uh, he's doing everything. Yeah, great is. hands and great feels. So they get, they have this nice blend of guys that, and the ball is not sticking at all. I just, I'm, I watched three of their games maybe. And uh, they keep it moving. They really yeah. keep it moving. And, and you know, Eli Isaiah, uh, they're showing the way. Like I said Mike Smith and, and uh, Sean D. They just want to win, so they they like getting assists. So the ball moves, and then their defense is very connected too. So I, I have high hopes for this team. Nobody's talking about them anywhere. You just listen. Nobody's talking about them. They'll be talking about them pretty soon. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm very excited to keep watching. I, I've been watching and and kind of keeping track of some of the stats. And I noticed that Franz was like only shooting two threes a game. And am I crazy to think that he should be shooting like five? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, you know, he's, he's six, nine and a half, six, ten oh, really? right now. Yeah. And uh, he's really grown. He's a wing. So, yeah, it, that is a, uh, you know, it's tough. It, we had this little issue probably that, that last year when you have so many good players, Stu. Uh, it was, it was, it was some games you're going to get shots and sometimes you're not. I, I remember calling, uh, three or three, I think it was four of our players in because we could see that all of a sudden we weren't sharing the ball like Michigan usually does. Mm -hmm. And I, I showed them like 
The leader had 260 shots on the year. The guy with less shots had like 240. So I said, all right, you're, you're all getting like eight shots a game or nine shots a game. So what do we do going forward? It, it, so if one of you gets nine, I'm going to tell you not to stop shooting so other guys can get their shots. It, it's like the game will show itself. Some opportunity, some game he might have 10 threes. Yeah. But right now, you know, they're going to guard him. And they have other weapons as well. So that's um, that, that, that's part of the problem of, of, of when you have a, a talent, we have team this deep. It's a deep team. Yeah, definitely. You know, I don't want to butter you up too much, but Juwan is replacing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Juwan is replacing a Michigan legend. And I think he's done pretty well. I mean, can you speak to that and what you think, how he's been able to, you know, come in and, have his own yeah. thing. You know, Juwan came in and spoke at my class. I was so impressed because he, he looks at this. He has no ego. He's if you watched him on the Miami Heat bench when he, he was at the backside of his career mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, LeBron and Dwayne Wade and everybody was winning championships. And he was a, he was on the bench cheering everybody on as a player. And that's why he got hired at Miami. Truthfully, if if you're sort of a you know, a malcontent when you're not playing at the end of your career, you don't get offered to be an assistant coach with Miami Heat. And that happened because of his attitude. It's the same attitude right now. He's very, he, he really has a great attitude. He did a wonderful job at saying, all right, what don't I know about college basketball? How's it changed? Oh, there's Phil Martelli out there. Uh, he's, he still wants to coach. I'm going to go hire Phil Martelli. Yeah. Uh, then he said, and, and I really like what Michigan's done. So let's make sure we keep Saudi Washington and then uh, get, getting uh, taking, taking coach Presley now and keeping him because he, that's, that's the guy he knows, put a great staff together. And I just, I love that. They're just, uh, they're really that the, when a team is playing connected, it means every day's practice must show that same connection. They must be emphasizing that in practice. Yeah, it takes a lot of humility. It's very impressive. And I saw that a lot with your staffs. I mean, you have fantastic staffs. And you realize, like, you know, you're, you you like the control, the details and everything, but you need a full team. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I loved our assistant coaches. They're, I thought our staff and group was amazing. Yeah, we were, we were, I, was, I was really blessed with a good assistant coaches. Yeah. And I think if you came back still, of course, you were playing overseas – and watched this in the last four or five, four, last three years in particular, you see that I would have stepped back a little bit more and delegated more. I gave up. I gave, I gave the voice of the defense, you know, to Billy Donlin, gave it to Luke Yockledge. Probably should have done it earlier with Val Jordan or Bakari Alexander because uh, I just felt I finally, you, you, good leaders show vulnerability. And I just said, you know what, my, my mind thinks offense way too much. So it, like if you took a shot from the corner um, and, and you missed, you know, I would say, was it a good shot? Did we run the play right? Yeah. You know, did, did somebody go to the offensive boards? And by that time, defensive transition has started. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, I wanted somebody that wasn't wondering whether you took a good shot or whether they ran the play right or whether you're fouled. I wanted a guy who was thinking about defensive transition from the time the ball was in the air. And that really, that really helped. So you, you have to know who you are. That's where I think Juwan's done a great job. He knows who he is. He's going to, he's going to really 
He, he does a great job of coaching them uh, to do the right things and giving them lots of freedom. And, uh, but the staffs are important. I'm just telling you to get, to get a guy like Phil Martelli on your staff is yeah. just a, that he is such an excellent college basketball coach and even a better man that that influence brings great core values to your team. And uh, that always, uh, that's, that, that, that influence has a chance to make this team really good. Yeah, it's true. I remember watching um, 2013 season, 2012, 2013 season, you know, my first year overseas after I graduated and just watching you and then the years after that, kind of just more relaxed and more, you know, able to, you look like you were able to delegate and obviously the talent helped in 2012, yeah, yeah, 2013. Yeah. Like you could just kind of sit on the sideline and, you know, Trey was going to be Trey and all the other guys were going to be themselves. Like obviously way more talented than our teams. But even after that, like there was a time, I remember it was like a controversial thing when you and Jordan Poole had like this mini argument on the sideline or something. And he told you to relax and you, you gave him words and then that was it. And it was like, all right, we're cool yeah. uh, and move on. And I, I feel like that was a, uh, I mean, I don't want to be condescending, but it was, you know, you've been adjusting and morphing oh, yeah, and yeah. learning as you go. I mean, what was like some of the biggest things? Was that well, like one of the I biggest things of player relationship as you got there? Or your as, time? as you study this, say vulnerability is really important that, that you, if you make a mistake, right. And you can't know, you can't be the smartest guy in the room and yeah. you have to be willing to change. And that's the only way that I coached for 45 straight years is I mean, you remember when you first came in, we were playing one, three, one zone. And by the, by the end, we didn't play a lick of it. I would laugh at the media types who would, that would, <laughs> the brackets would come out oh and God. we hadn't played a lick of one, three, one zone in four years. And some talking head would say, Oh, they'll have trouble with beelines one, three, one zone. I said, dude, haven't you been watching any of our games? So it, but we had to get out of that, but we had to use it in Richmond and West Virginia and a little bit of Michigan just to change. And then, uh, man defense you know we used to switch a lot and then we stopped switching so much then some games we would and you know I, I was a two three zone guy back in when I was in upstate New York you know Syracuse had a great influence on everybody played a lot of that you got to change and same thing in life um, you, you, you have to keep looking there's these points in your life that you guys you got to embrace that change and and know when you're getting pruned to, to know when you're 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 being taught a lesson that may feel you make feel like a bad coach, and if you turn it around, put it in a growth mindset, um, your team will get better. Yeah, definitely. You are, yeah, it was always about awareness with you and just being hyper aware, not only the details but just of the process of everything. And I thought that was really important. It's important in life, let alone just basketball. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, the, there was a big talking point with Jawan and Isaiah and their, their argument and their, their words. And I was trying to think if you or me ever got into it like that. And I don't think we ever had. I think in practice, mine, I might've said something to you uh, that, you know, just to get you, you know, with it. But I, I, you know, there was very few things on the court um, and that, you know, those, those things that, that I'm sure that's a rare situation will ever happen. Uh, yeah. I did. I did see that. And, and it's both guys wanting to win. And, yeah. and that is a really good thing. And, I just like it. Yeah. Yeah. At, at the same time, you, you, you have those situations and when they do happen, you can't, you, you can't follow the guy who wants to speak up. 
You just got to make sure that he knows, well, maybe that afterwards the message may be, you know, could, did we have to do it then? Or maybe we could have done it. Um, maybe we could have done it in the locker room afterwards sure. and sort of get him to realize how you can do those things. Sure. Uh, but, but maybe the fact that it happened out there helped both of them, who knows, but it's so small. Isaiah livers is a wonderful young man. And yeah. Juwan is so low key. Uh, there's that, that was just like, that's a nothing. Right. Right. It is nothing. Um, you had, I was thinking about your time and, and like the stories that has been like the past few years at Michigan and the, the plane story with you guys, T two stories, really. I mean, one a little more severe than the other, but I was wondering if you remembered our plane story at IU. I think oh, it was yeah. junior, senior year. You remember that? You know, yeah. Yeah. It was, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I look back at it now and it's like, wow, that could have been the end too. I mean, didn't the, didn't like the wing break or something when we it hit the ground? It hit the ground. So it? Zach and I were like, it, I think we were in maybe I don't know the Pistons plane. So we were facing the back, so I could see the the wing because I was sitting in front facing the back, and I saw sparks out on the landing, and I was like, that that doesn't seem right, <laughs> and nobody said anything, and then we win that crazy game at IU. And they come to the locker room and you're like, well, we got to drive back. Something's wrong with the plane. I was like, yeah, I think something's wrong with the plane. I saw it hit the ground. I don't think it was a Pistons plane. I think, it, I just think it was whatever jet service we were using then. Oh, but, okay. but yeah, that was, uh, you know, I think I was probably in the front of the plane watching video. So I probably missed sure. all of that. Yeah. So, uh, but it was, uh, yeah, that was, because I remember I, I actually went recruiting the next day to see Tim. What year was it with you? It was probably your, your second year, your third year. Yeah, it was uh, second year because yeah, LaBelle Lucas Perry hit the big. It bounced around the rim. C.J. Lee stole the ball late. So I think I believe I you guys went on and you dropped me off in Indiana. I didn't have to take that trip in because I went to the airport to fly to Florida to see Tim Hardaway Jr. So right. that was a long trip home. But when you win, Stu, you remember, there weren't many long trips after wins. No. Uh, the long trips – we're after losses without question. Yeah. You know, I makes me remember my time when we were recruiting Tim and Casey Prather at the same time. And I was like, I want Casey Prather. I want Casey real bad. He's, <laughs> you know, he's like six, seven, he can defend all positions. I want him. And I was just a complete idiot, I guess. Cause Tim is obviously fantastic. There, there's so much. Um, like that. Yeah. There's so much good, good, good fortune involved with recruiting that sometimes it just sort of works. And, I look when I watch games now, when I watch games, then I would, it's, it's, it's a toss up, whether you say you watch somebody you recruited hard you say, Oh, thanks God. Thank goodness. I got him. I got this guy instead of this guy because he was a better player. And there's other times that you'll look and you'll say to yourself, well, what was I thinking there? You know, what was I, what was I thinking on that one? Cause there's you're going to miss him. The whole idea is to, you can't worry about who you don't get. You worry about who you get yep. and you're going to make some mistakes. Yeah. Uh, tell me a coach that, that, <laughs> that recruits 13, gives 13 scholarships out to 13 yeah. guys that are going to be winners and in the NBA and it doesn't happen, yeah. but you got to trust yourself and knowing, wait a minute, I just need to get eight of these right. And you can be pretty good in college basketball In the NBA, you got to get 10 or 11, 11 or 12 of them. Right. Because that second team is so important. 
Yeah. But in Kyle's just got to get eight of those 13 right. And the other guys might be wrong or they might just be growing and not ready. And that's what happened with us a lot. Guys weren't ready sometimes. And then they would get ready. Um, you look at right. the, the Karis, Karis Leverts, you know, was not ready. Duncan Robinson got the city year. So he obviously couldn't have had the impact he had when he came in if he hadn't got the city year. So yeah. there's there's a lot of people that that happened to. And uh, we're uh, yeah, recruiting is an interesting business. It really is. Who would have yeah. who would have thought? I don't even want to tell you about what people were saying about when I recruited you. I was going to ask you. Uh, <laughs> I had Tanner Smith. Kyle Kirk, Clay Thompson, probably like two other people had to pass up scholarship <laughs> before I could get it. And I was yeah, like, I think, like I, I think Gordon Gordon Hayward was early in that recruiting too, but he yep. was going to play tennis all summer. And I said, I got to see you play one. I, I only saw him play once. I said, I'd like to see you play again. Uh, and he was so he was so good. But Clay Thompson was in that. Yeah. I think Paul. I think I don't. We didn't recruit Paul George, but I think he played on the same summer team that Clay Thompson did. I'm not no, sure of that. But it was we were in really good guys. But we got Stu, and you know what to do. Give the ball to Stu, right? Exactly. You know exactly. Yeah, yeah. You have to tell that on the pod really quick. We need that. We need that out <laughs> so, there on the airways. I swear this is true, and uh, maybe he'll dispute it. But it, it might. So I, Anthony Davis is is like um, uh, just come out of the scene. He was a late bloomer. I don't know what high school he went to. Chicago. We hear about him. I make a call to him. He picks up. And we're talking, and this is the end of your freshman or sophomore year. I don't know which one it was. And I just said, he said, oh, I love watching Michigan basketball. And I said, oh, really? I didn't know that. You're like, oh, yeah, I love Stu Douglas. Me and my friends say, you know what to do. Give the ball to Stu. <laughs> Conversa- <I> was- <laughs> and he certainly, nobody knew at that time who you'd be. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not... It may have been somebody else, but I believe no, it was Anthony Davis talking with him because it was funny. We're sticking to Anthony Davis. I'm gonna <laughs> I, I even, I think even once at, uh, at the Mass Square Garden when we beat UCLA, I think uh, Dickie V called me a diaper dandy at one point. I was like, <laughs> all right. You, came off, you hit, a, hit a huge deep three there. You came off a guard through low road and yep. didn't even look at the basket. Your back, you just turned in the air and knocked it down. And that's I what I saw know. from you in, in, in AAU ball. Uh, but I think, Stu, what I saw most of you is you wanted to go to Michigan. Yeah. And that worked a lot. Tim Hardaway wanted to go to Michigan. Well, he I wanted mean, to he from the first wanted day. To go to, to me. Zach Novak, you know, when I went and saw him play in high school, I wasn't so sure at the time, you know, because he was an undersized player. And he called me on the phone on the way home. I, I said, well, I got to call him tomorrow. I don't, I, I got to offer him a scholarship or not. Let me think about it for the night. And he calls me and says, so are you offering me a scholarship or not? He called me. And I, I said, you know what? I like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. He wants to go to Michigan. Yeah. And you know, that, that sometimes would take, you know, a three or four star player and put them up to another level. We, we, we rated them in the 90, like a, a 91 through 96, 96 being a pro 91 would be like a rotational guy in his sophomore year. And uh, the, the uh, when we would see a guy that wanted Michigan was a great teammate, was a great student. We just, we elevated his number. And yeah. so a guy that was 91 became a 92. So this guy's going to play as a freshman because he gets it. He gets it. He's a smart IQ guy. So yeah. um, I'll never forget. Story. I'll never forget you coming to watch me play in AAU. And, you know, impressions were always important for you. You always wanted to watch guys play. 
and there was a game in Louisville and nobody was watching our game. You were, I think the, maybe the only coach on the sideline and I hit seven threes in the first half. And I was like, <laughs> this is good. I think it was the yeah. first time you watched me too in person. I was like, that's, that's a good start for me. And then we actually went to Vegas and my team lost in like the first round. And I mean, everybody dropped off. Like I thought IU, Notre Dame and Purdue were all going to offer me and they didn't, I couldn't even get a call back from them after that. And I was like, please, God, I wanted to go to Michigan anyways. I was like, I just want those scholarship offers just so I can pressure Michigan to offer me finally. Yeah. And well, it worked out. Well, who else was on? That was Colorado. That, that yes. Jeff. Yeah. And Jeff, uh, Jeff has talked to me about that a few times because he's in back in the NBA. And your name usually comes up because we were the only ones that I think were willing to take a chance on this guy, but uh, on you. And, you know, uh, you would have been perfect at Colorado as well. They did. No, you know, I tried to commit. Type of guy. Say it again. I tried. I tried to commit to Colorado, and he's told me no. He's like, "You want to go to Michigan? I know you do. You don't want to come here." And he told me no on the phone, and I was crying. Like, what did I just do? I ruined my opportunity to play at like a big school. Like, if Michigan, if somebody else takes a scholarship, I'm done. And it's funny how you just got to keep trusting the process. You I guess. Got to keep going. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what? How do you? I get funny now to imagine our recruiting class and where you ended up with Michigan and like how it all started with the recruiting and me and Zach being your recruiting class first one and where that came from. You know, and you know what we forget about? Ben Cronin was going to oh, be really good. So good, I, he was amazing. I watched him play. In a, listen to this. I watched him play in a high school game. He had 15 block shots, and it was against a good team. And and right at the end of so. I had been recruiting him at West Virginia. He'd come to our camps, all these things. Right at the end, right, I went to see him play, uh, no, pick up, like, uh, after, his after his senior year was over. And he's limping. He limped up the court a little bit. I said, what's going on? He said, I don't know. He's got a groin pill, pull. And as it turned out, you know, he had, he had a bad hip. And those were big hips now. That was a big man. Oh, my God. And he was going to be so good. Uh, he had, he, he could shoot from three. Yep. Uh, he had great, he, he was good around the basket. Um, we got him. He actually ran a six minute mile with a bad hip at, at seven, one and long. Uh, and so it was, uh, I feel bad for him. He lost his dad there in, in his senior year as well. Died yep. of a heart attack. And then he came in and was injury plagued, but he graduated from Michigan. He's a great teacher right now. He's a high school that. teacher. Yeah. And he's, and um, what a fine young man. And, uh, but I really, you know, he and Austin Hatch are two guys that I thought were going to be just great players. And both of them never got to really see the court uh, the way I know we all dreamed they would do that. Yeah. Well, I want to give a lot of credit to you for sticking with them, you know, keeping them on scholarship at the school, you know, involved as they can be. Uh, I thought that was really nice thing for those kids and you know that type of family environment that you like to build well it was uh that's just the next right thing to do that's what you got to do Stu. what's the next right thing yep exactly which is not always easy yeah no, no because yeah. you want to win and there's yep. that scholarship and you know it's, thankfully the ncaa because you, you get it caught in that dilemma like we want to keep them on scholarship but, but the other 12 guys are looking there and they need one more guy on the bench to help them uh, win a game or if somebody gets hurt. So it's not fair to the other guys. So th th yeah. th 
that when they give you a hardship, a medical hardship and allow you to keep on scholarship. And you know what? It was uh, Dave Brandon was the AD at the time and it was, did not flinch. And I said, I want to take uh, Austin Hatch off regular scholarship and put him on a medical hardship. Uh, we still, you know, it's still out of state kid, $50,000 a year for, yeah. for the next four years. And uh, what didn't flinch. Of course, that's what we do at Michigan. So yep. a lot of people have something to do with that. Yeah, that's a, really nice. All right. I want to tell you one more story before I'll get you out of here. Okay. Uh, I think it's a story I've never told you, but it, it, it's, you, you'll appreciate it. So we were going, I want to preface this by saying that I'm a, I'm a very good offensive rebounder. I'll toot my own horn. Okay. I've got a good offensive rebounder. I've got the good instincts. And under your program, I think the first day you taught me the two man takes the ball out which I hated, to be honest with you. And the two-man yeah. always gets back on defense. Like, he, if right. the shot goes up, you don't even look at the ball. You're running to half court. Right. I was like, man, that, okay, I can do that, but I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. So we were leaving for our Europe trip, and um, I remember exactly where we were. I was riding with Matt Bogrich was driving. Blake McClymans was in the passenger seat. I was in the back. We were at, like, Hill and Packard on campus. And I was telling them, you know what, guys? I just want to get a tip dunk once in my life. Like, I want a tip dunk. I'm dying for it. Like it's always been my dream. And we go to Europe, we play Belgium the first game. All of a sudden I'm at the top of the key. It's our first game. So like, I'm thinking things are a little more relaxed with you and the rules and I'm playing the two guard spot. All of a sudden I'm wide open. The ball is shot from like the corner and I'm wide open, like straight down the lane. And I'm like, I'm going to go for it. It bounced perfectly. I tip dunked it. I felt amazing. I felt so good about it. I was like, this is great. <laughs> Like, this is cool. I can tell people I got this video of it. It's a lot of fun. We get we watch video the next day, and you play that clip, and you're like, you will never do this again. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, come on. Like, I was having a lot of fun. But I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I got to get back. I think I remember a little bit of that. That Yeah, you can't, like, you can't. I mean, everybody wants to, wants to have those highlight films. But transition defense, and I tell young coaches this. They say, what are you – Transition defense is probably the most important thing you need to teach. And if you don't have that, if you, you know, sending three or four guys to the backboard, especially a guard is very, very dangerous. Now, some people may, may, may have other rotations, but no, you got, you got to, unless, you know, we really got good at that later, later on that we would put different scenarios where maybe the two man wasn't rebounding, but Stu, if you took it to the basket, you can't yeah. get back on defense. The one guy, yeah. Now, yeah. now the three man had to read that too, because the one or the three had to take the ball because you might've been on, if you remember Trey Burke, he spent a lot of his time on the seat of his pants. He'd finish. He'd yeah. be on, they'd knock him down. The ref would look, see the ball go in and not call the foul. Cause it went yeah. in. It doesn't make sense. He still got fouled. And now who's back. And that's where like Timmy would rotate back, you know, uh, Nick Stauskas would rotate back. And that was, uh, th that was important for us to do, but yeah, I'm sorry I did that to your career, but uh, you should see if we have a film on that, and, and so you can put that up somewhere. I, I do Maddie or something, yeah. And, and we lost that game by a hundred to that Belgium oh. team, probably. By the way, we got killed. That team was pretty good, though. That that league's pretty solid. We played a good bad. team. Yeah, yeah. We went, when we won the last game before we came back from from there, it felt like we won. You know, the Super Bowl. We were so excited because. We were picked last. We picked, you know, we were picked eleven out of eleven in the Big Ten that year. Yeah, we were picked eleven out of eleven, and we ended up going to the NCAA tournament and becoming a whisker from beating Duke in the second round. 
So we, we sure still, got better. I still have nightmares. If I swear if Darius would have passed to me on the wing, I would have hit the three to win the game. Like right, I'm like, yeah. it replays you in my mind. Good look. You had a good look. Yeah, that would have been a nice one. That yeah. would have, that really would have been a nice one, given it was almost the same spot as your Michigan State shot, right? You were, were you coming up the right wing. I think Novak was coming behind you. Yep. Yeah. yeah we were like in the same exact spots, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, well, he, he had been out all year and he was in that game, right? Yeah, we played one three one, and yeah. uh, he had a little floater on me, a very important floater, and I was like trying to take a charge, and he just stopped on a dime and threw up a little <laughs> floater from the twelve feet, and I was like, what the hell? It was one of the few games he played. Yeah. And, and uh, he got hurt, and then he came back, and uh, but that would have been a nice one to get, but it all uh, it all worked out. It worked yep, out definitely. Well, coach, I really appreciate you coming on, helping us kick off the podcast. You're an amazing guest. Love talking to you. So I really appreciate well, it. Let's do it again. Uh, this is this has been this is I know we'll, you should have a lot of interesting people from Michigan. So uh, let's yeah. we can do it from time to time, and I'd love to help you. You know, yeah, in any way. Oh, I, I hope you always look at at your coaches as always your coaches. But as you grow in time, Stu, it, you, it will become. As I watch this, like I had, uh, I had a game. We, we had we played Wisconsin my last year at Michigan, and I had my JV team from 1976 there. And 13 of the 14 guys on the JV high school team at Newfane High School were there having dinner with me. And I said, how old are you guys? You know, I expect they'd say 40. Uh, now, co coach, and I was 65 at the time. Uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're all 60. <laughs> I said, what? And, and they, you become friends. Over time, your former players become your most valued friends because you've been through it together and you trust each other. Yeah. So I'd love to help again. Yeah, definitely. I really appreciate it. And I'd love to stay more connected and yeah, looking forward to it. Okay, Stu. Good luck. Right. Thanks coach. Appreciate it. Okay.